welcome to the Stable Travel Podcast, hosted by Nicolette Lafferty. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 40 of the Stackable Travel Podcast. Today I got JP. Would you like to introduce yourself, JP? Yeah, good day, Nicholas. Um, my name is Jean-Paul Lafontaine, or JP, um, and I live in Brisbane, Queensland. Uh, thanks for having me. So just to start up with, would you like to talk about your condition and how it impacts you from day to day? Yeah, sure thing. Um, I've got muscular dystrophy, or uh, it's called no, better known as the FSH, Prescular Scapular Humor. Um, I guess it's a progressive condition that um, has progressed probably from me since teenager, middle teens, um, which is pretty common for FSH, um, and it pro- just progressively got worse for me. Uh, I used to run and play cricket and footy as a kid. Uh, Then I struggled to walk and run, went to a walking frame. So that got really difficult to start walking. I'd trip over my feet a lot. And you'd lose a lot of your muscles through your legs. Um, And then over time, that just got really difficult to stand up um, out of any sort of chair. Um, to even weight bear, um, and then I yeah, and to today I'm I've been in a wheelchair for about eleven years now. Um, but once I went into a wheelchair, it probably gave me probably it gave me a lot of independence compared to what I'd struggled with for probably about fifteen years prior to that. Yeah, yeah. And then you play a sport now called Bosha. So can you talk a bit about Bosha? Yeah, I started in 2012. Um, Bosha is a Paralympic sport. Um, it's similar concept to, say, lawn bowls. Yeah, where we've got a jack ball. You either use six red balls or six blue balls. And the con- basic concept is to get closest to that jack ball. Um, and then you get points uh, if you've got more more balls closer to that jack ball. Uh, I compete internationally, so domestically and internationally. Um, I'm being fortunate and grateful that I could compete for Australia. Uh, I took a few years off with going back to uni uh, between 2017 and pretty much started last year. Um, I completed my uh, uni degree in counselling and uh, the sport of boxer, I've gone back to international boxer and went and travelled to Rome last year and just got back from Santiago uh, in Chile. Uh, so, yeah, it's a great opportunity regardless of whether you play internationally or domestically. Great social support. Um, I love the competitiveness of the international boxer. Uh, and keep, keep learning, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, as you said, you went to Rome last year for an international comp. So, what was it like between Rome and Australia with an accessibility wise? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so, I'd been to Rome before for a holiday, um, and my situation was 
I guess I can, I only just got into my chair when I first went for holidays. Um, I think the big challenge in a place like Rome, being such an old country, um, is a lot of the cobblestones trying to wheel around the city. It's so beautiful and everything's, I love Rome. However, I'm glad I had a support person with me on this particular trip because being in a power assist chair, um, I really needed that help to get around the city, to push around. Uh, I think if you had a power chair, one of my friends, uh, one of my uh, support colleagues, I guess, if she had a power chair, so she was zooming around the city, um, so it was not so bad. But, yeah, for someone like myself, I probably would have been better to have a power chair. Yeah. Yeah. And did you see any culture different between the two nations? Yeah, the culture. Um, there's a lot of tourists in Rome. Um, it's a very touristy city. So I guess we only, on this particular trip, to Rome, we, I guess we, we go to compete and that's our sole focus. We were very fortunate that we had a little bit of time at the end of the trip. And um, so we had about three or four hours to, to go and do a, a quick uh, tour of the city, I guess. Um, and yeah, there was just a lot of tourists. Uh, so to say, I guess a lot of the people that we met during the time in Rome, they're all very lovely people. A lot, still a lot of people that spoke English, so it was pretty easy to communicate with people. Um, but everyone's, yeah, it was lovely there, yeah. Yeah. And then more recently you've been to San Dan, Diego for another international boxer comp. So how, what that? Yeah, Santiago, Chile. So that was different again. So it was quite cold there this time of the year, um, which when I first was told we were going to go to Chile, I was sort of thinking, oh, it's going to be nice and warm, but no, because um, it's right near the Andes there. So you got the, the, uh, the icy cold uh, caps there, and you know, it was quite cool. Again, people were really lovely, um, very welcoming, actually. And I guess it's very different, though, when you go to a place like Santiago or South America, my experiences of South America. Um, you realise what you do have in Australia. Um, I guess, in particular, the, stand the living standards in Australia very different. Um, not sure if you've been to South America, have you? No. Yeah, it's very different. So that's a stand. That was a standout for me. Um, but yeah, the culture with the people. Um, yeah, beautiful people. All the one, all the Chileans that I met were very vibrant and happy to help and supportive and. We got to wheel on the streets a little bit to go up. I guess after a day's competition, we were, we were close to some shopping centres and things, so we were able to wheel out um, and go and visit a few places. Again, I was glad I had someone with me 
so they were able to push me around. Um, but it wasn't too bad. Again, if you had power share, it wasn't too bad to get around. Yeah. We had an amazing trip to, on the last day, we had a few hours spare, and we went to this uh, amazing huge building. Um, it's apparently the largest uh, building in South America. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it was uh, it just gave us 360 views of the city and we had beautiful views of um, the Andes, as we said. Um, yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. And then on the Pontar, we constantly hear people in wheelchair or walker constantly having to worry about if their equipment done a bit broken while traveling through air travel, airport, really all that. So have you had any issue in the past while traveling? Yeah, it's a good question. I Because I've got a lot of mates that do traveling as well that are in wheelchairs and that have had some challenges there. I have to say I've been pretty lucky and I have done a lot of traveling. Um, I think for me the biggest trouble I had was when I went to the UK on my own for the first time, probably 12 years ago, I guess, um, it was, I had a, so I used power assist batteries, uh, power assist wheels, sorry, and one of my batteries had died between leaving Australia to going to England and they were fully charged when I left. And um, when I got there, I was like, oh no, they're broken. You know, I, I did read a little bit, but I got to the hotel, plugged them in, they charged up straight away. I think the only other thing was I lost my hip guards as well. Um, so I I very quickly learned that anything that was loose on a wheelchair, make sure you tuck them away in your luggage. Um, or Yeah, that's probably the best advice with that. Don't have anything loose that's going to be in your chair or on your chair. Um, and if you've got anything poking out on your chair, like a, a joystick or anything like this, just to make sure they're protected. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's it like to travel to you? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's funny, you see, before I went to the US the first time, all I knew really about the new, the US was everything you see on TV, right? And everything on TV is, I guess, dramatised to the hilt, <laughs> as you know, and it's like, oh, gosh, I don't know if I'm going to like the US at all. Um, I At that time, we had a, a, an around-the-world ticket, and we had to go somewhere else and we thought, okay, let's go to New York on our way to, to Canada. We're going to visit a family in Vancouver. And, um, but New York was great. I love New York so much so that we only stayed three days on that particular trip. Um, so much so I said, I'm going to come back to New York. And I did a couple of years later, I went and did a four week trip there. I, again on my own so i loved it in new york uh, i think if the right situation or circumstances presented themselves 
I'd love to live in New York for six months, right? Um, I thought it was an easier city to get around than I expected. I thought I was going to have a lot more challenges. Um, I met an amazing person over there that worked as a volunteer. And I wonder if they're still running it. It's called um, something like the Apple Greeters or the, they basically they're a volunteer group that meet people and take people to somewhere a little bit different in New York that you wouldn't think of going. So they'll spend a morning or an afternoon with you. Anyway, so I, I found this group and um, they sent me a person that was also in a wheelchair and she was amazing. She showed me how to use the, um, the travel system, um, the trains, the underground trains, uh, how to get on and off them. That was great. Um, we went over to Brooklyn where she lived. I would never have gone to Brooklyn otherwise. Um, and it was amazing to see the diversity there, the, you know, um, the Jewish community, the Chinese community over there. Um, and she, she introduced me to some of her friends over there. Um, so that was an amazing experience there. Um, and we got to meet some firefighters as well. So they took us a, a tour. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, and then Canada. So I went to Montreal. No, so I've been to Montreal actually through my sport. But on that particular trip, it was Vancouver. Um, and I've got family on Vancouver Island. Um, and yeah, that's the people there just reminded me a lot of of Australians with an accent, I reckon, especially Melbournians. Um, so it felt very comfortable to be in Vancouver, actually. Um, but beautiful countryside. Um, we hired a car and my sister and brother-in-law drove around. So that was a great trip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so what do you look for when booking accommodation and have you had any issues when you adopt there and not doing what you expected? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you get better at it, I guess. The more you travel, the better you get at it. But again, if you go back to my very first trip to the UK, you know, I was with my sister and... It's such a long trip, especially if you haven't traveled before. It is a long trip, whether you traveled or not, actually. But I, yeah, I arrived in London and I was just exhausted. I had no sleep at all. And I was already having my reservations about doing this trip anyhow. Anyway, we get to where we were staying in Paddington and... Our room wasn't ready yet, and we had to wait an hour or two. Anyway, I was sitting in this park just out the front thinking, oh, my God, what have I done coming on this trip? Anyway, we finally got our room, and the room was like, they said it was accessible when we booked it. The lift was like as big as a... I guess 
a shoe cupboard almost. That got us up up to one level, right? But little did we know there was still three steps to climb. So there was three steps we had to go. So again, luckily I had my brother-in-law with me. So he helped me up those stairs. And I was able to wake bear a little bit at that stage. So I was pretty thankful for that. Then we get into the room and the bathroom was one of those, you know, the showers with the baths, the old style with the claw, right? It was one of them. How they thought this room was accessible, I don't know, mate. <laughs> so you can imagine my first trip, long time, I'm so tired. And yeah, my sister and brother-in-law, they say, Try, try not to sleep too much. And all I wanted to do was sleep because <laughs> I was thinking, oh my gosh, I've done the wrong thing. But we, I had a bit of sleep, got over that and we, we worked our way through it. We ended up finding another hotel the next day um, that was a little bit more suitable. Um, yeah, the hotels in England were very small. Uh, and the houses are very small from my experience too. But um, we worked our way through it. And yeah, you just work through your way through these things. Yeah. 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 Is that why um, I, well, I hear it quite often where they shouldn't be having someone in a wheelchair actually going around the hotel or actually have one of the people who did the hotel in a wheelchair? To make sure yeah. it's definitely accessible with room. Um, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, and like with with that, it's so when I ask for accessible room, I actually quite descriptive with like, can you tell me exactly what the room looks like? Or even better, can you send me some photos so I know? Especially knowing who I go with these days, I'm always traveling with someone, but it's also dependent on what their, uh, their abilities are to, so some of, some of the people are able to assist me to stand up or not stand up, but lift me. So I'm not that, I'm not a heavy person, I guess. Um, but again, some people are able to lift me and some people aren't. So I need to know, what sort of transfers I'm going to be doing, whether it's just sliding on a sideboard or someone can lift me across. Um, so, yeah, asking for more detailed information around those rooms or even better photos. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've done travelling locally for a local boxer competition at Well of the International One. So can you talk a, a bit about the local competition yeah the local competition so we just did the queensland state titles um and that was run on the weekend so that went really well and we had a number of people come up to queensland and stay up here from new south wales and tasmania victoria and canberra yeah they came up and stayed so a number of athletes uh, needing accessible accommodation up here. Um, but I also go down to New South Wales. Um, 
if I'm down in Victoria, I'll go and stay with my mom. So I know she's got accessible homes. So that's all right. But occasionally I'll stay at a hotel in Victoria. Um, but generally, Australia's pretty good for accommodation. That's my experience. And again, it's just spending a bit of time doing your research, um, knowing what is it that you need. Um, I think one of the other things too, if you haven't done a lot of um, traveling, it's probably really good to seek other wheelies or other people in similar situations to yourself. Like you said, if they're using a, a walking frame, struggling to walk, um, but use a walking frame or and seek them out and, and ask lots of questions of them. Yeah. And that's how I began as well. Um, meeting with a person who has a similar condition to me and he'd been in a wheelchair for a number of years and he, he travels back and forth from America all the time. Um, and he was the inspiration to me to actually go on my first trip. Probably without meeting him all those years ago, I probably wouldn't have gone. Or I don't know whether I would have or not, but he certainly was an encouragement to me to go and do my first trip. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then what do you consider when you're looking for transport and making sure it's accessible for you to travel from one location to the other? In Australia or? Oh, um, both. Both, yeah. So in Australia, it's probably a little bit easier, only because I know the systems, um, especially in uh, I've lived in New South Wales, I've lived in Sydney, so I sort of know what's going on down there. And I've lived in Melbourne and I've lived in Brisbane. So most of they're probably the three places I spend most of my life. Um, so I know the system. I, I guess it's finding uh, the taxi system is pretty good generally, just making sure you're booking cabs. Um, if you can get to know a cabbie, that's good. Um, they tend to like that as well. So then they get more regular jobs as well. Um, internationally, it's a little bit more challenging. Um, probably good starting points are asking the hotel, wherever you're staying at, asking them to assist you with um, transportation and asking them about what's available. Yeah, just doing your research um, online before you go away, that's good. Uh, if you're traveling with someone, again, it all depends on what sort of equipment you're taking as well. So if you've got a power wheelchair, that adds a different complexity to it. I generally don't, but there are times where I will. So you do need that bigger transport. Um, but if you've got a smaller chair or a or a, uh, a walker and you're traveling with someone, you can tend to get away with the taxis. Um, some of the trips that I've done, like Rome, for example, uh, the UK, they have a lot of great accessible buses. They're called like the hop-on, hop-off buses. And um, they're generally really good to travel on using a wheelchair. Uh, you can get to all the places that 
that are well known that you really want to see, the touristy places. Um, yeah, there's generally, I, I haven't gone to a country where, yeah, where nobody's really wanting or willing to help. You generally find someone willing to help. So I'm going to wrap it up now. So thank you for coming on to the Stackable Travel Podcast. No worries, Nicholas. Thanks for having me. You have been listening to the Stackable Travel Podcast. You can follow Nicholas on his Instagram page, nlahu20.